Tonight is Wednesday. February 11th, and the title of my message is um, Divine Interruptions. It's been said that if you want Almighty God to just fall out laughing, you need to tell him what your plans are for your life. That's the quickest way to get the Lord to laugh. And the process of planning your life with your family, your friends, um, God will sometimes interrupt your plans. That's happened to me recently. Um, It's happened to me a lot, but recently he's kind of brought it to my attention that he's interrupting the plans. I've learned that he really doesn't care how much money you spend on it, how long you dreamed about it, how hard you worked on it, um, you know, how you envisioned it, how you set it up, you know, this is what I'm going to do. And, you know, I remember hearing some of the young brothers saying, when I'm 20, I'm going to do this, and when I'm 30, I'm going to do this. You know, what I've learned is many times we get our lives all framed up the way we want it, and then the Lord will come and just knock it all down, okay? <laughs> I'm grateful from the bottom of my heart that um, he's doing what he's doing to me in this time period of my life. Amen. Um, he has shown me, um, and I'm hopefully I can translate this to you guys tonight, that um, when he's in your life, it's always for good. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're feeling, it's always for good. Um, I asked a few of our brethren to um, speak tonight. I've asked for Moses to come and speak, played by Brother Nick. I asked for Samson to come and speak, played by Brother Judah. I've asked for Queen Esther to come and speak, played by Sister Gabrielle. And finally, the Apostle Paul to speak, played by Brother Spencer. Because all of them brothers and sisters from the Bible had major interruptions in their life. And um, I think that's something that we all can relate to, no matter what part of the body we're in or what we're going through. Now, you go to the second slide. The definition of interruption is a break in the continuity of or uniformity of, or to cause a momentary halt, and the key word is momentary, in activity, in our activity by saying, doing, or experiencing something. The definition of divine is anything of God, relating to God, emanating from God, or being the expression of God. That is the definition of divine. So if you go to the next slide, when I'm saying divine interruption tonight, and the brothers are maybe speaking that same thing, what I'm saying is it's a momentary halt in the continuity of our lives, emanating from Almighty God's direct or indirect involvement. Okay? So that's what a divine interruption is. It's just a momentary halt. Now, what the momentary halt is a year, six months, 18 years, it's momentary from his perspective. Okay? Um, <clears throat> the more I study the Word of God, the more I realize that God cares most about his purposes. Um, you know, I, I remember talking to Brother Jerome a while back, and he was saying how there was an accident. Him and his pastors over in Malaysia, and the tree fell on the car and hit directly in the center of the car. Had it hit on either side, they would have been completely killed, died on the spot. But he has a purpose for the pastor. He has a purpose for Jerome. So that tree fell in the middle of the car. I know people who um, say they should have died on an operating table, people who should have drowned in lakes, people who should have, when they fall out of a tree, broken their necks. Um, but God cares about his purposes. So I'm premising in that way because we're going through things. Everybody here has something they may be going through. And his purpose has to be made manifest in your life, okay? Um, it's my hope and prayer that this message edifies and strengthens the brotherhood tonight. Um, and before I talk about my own personal divine interruption, what God has done to me in my life, I want us to turn to Exodus chapter 32 and we're going to verse 1. Yeah. 
here. Okay. It says, When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. At this point, I want to ask Brother Moses to um, come up here um, and tell us about his divine interruption. <laughs> you got to love Moses. He's he awesome. Thank you. Shalom, brethren. Hello. My name is Moshi, and it's a pleasure to be here with you this beautiful night. I want to tell you about my divine interruption, if you have a few minutes. I encountered the great I Am at the mountain of Horeb. There, Almighty God called me into ministry to deliver his people from the oppression of Pharaoh. Oh, the wonders God did through me by the power of his spirit. There were the ten plagues. He led us by day with a cloud and a pillar of fire by night. It was climate-controlled deliverance. <laughs> the Lord split the Red Sea. The sight of this was awe-inspiring. The wave of water was twice as high as your Empire State Building and was approximately 1,398 miles long. The Lord destroyed the entire Egyptian army. The Lord fed us with manna and quail. The Lord blessed us with the wealth of our oppressors. The wonders we beheld were simply Awesome. When we finally got to our destination, my divine interruption occurred. I was charged with leading the largest revival in the history of the world at that time. Over five million people. And let me tell you, it failed miserably. My flock lost faith in me as their leader, created and worshipped an idol, had orgies and committed other sinful acts, and because of their sin... Over 3,000 were killed that day. Can you imagine what that felt like? I, the shepherd, I, the leader of the flock, witnessed these great sins committed after all the wonders that the Lord had performed. Many of you in this very room are either leading a ministry or will be in the future. You may see people you have poured your life into going astray. I'm here to encourage you to not lose hope, to continue to pray, and to continue to fight. Fight for your flock. Fight for your children. Fight for the people that the Lord, your God, has called you to pastor. Through this divine interruption, as bad as it was, the Levitical priesthood was established. And ultimately, the righteous inherited the promises of God. Amen. Y'all can clap. 
my purpose in asking Brother Moses to join us tonight and speak was that when I read Exodus and I looked at what he went through, we've been taught in a ministry class that you look at things from the perspective of the people that were in it at the time it was written. And I can imagine him being a leader, him seeing all this and the people seeing all this and witnessing the wonders that God does in our lives. Many of us have experienced the anointing that God has done and that we've experienced the blessings he put in our life. And then for people to go astray after witnessing all that. And he's the leader. He's the shepherd. His brother went along with that foolishness. Um, that must have made him feel horrible as a leader, as a, as a father, as a brother. Um, that was his interruption. It was very painful. But God turned it around. The pain of it aside, God turned it around. Okay? Christians feel that because we believe in God, he's going to bless us. We, people are always around, naming and claiming. In Jesus' name, I received that. I'm going to get this in Jesus' name. They are sowing seeds and asking for a harvest ten times of what they've sown. Um, they pray their prayers, read their scriptures. And after they've sown the seed, when they experience an interruption in life, they freak out. Um, don't let the interruptions intimidate you. Because it's part of your process you're going through to get to the promises of God. I know... Like I know my name is Curtis because um, God is showing me something beautiful in my life that when he puts us through these things that we're going through, if you adjust your thoughts correctly while you're in them, they always come out wonderful. It's like going to a storm. You can choose to go through the storm and get soaking wet, have pneumonia and die. Or you can choose to go through the storm with a wing coat and an umbrella skipping around and happy. You have to go through the storm either way. It's your choice on how you choose to go through the storm. I'd like us to turn to Judges, chapter 13. This is another divine interruption. It says, the angel of the Lord appeared to her. This is Samson's mom. He said, you are sterile and childless, but you're going to conceive and have a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean because you will conceive and give birth to a son. No razor may be used on his head because the boy is to be a Nazarite set apart from God at birth. And he will begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Brother Samson, did you come up and talk about your divine interruption? Shalom, brethren. <laughs> I want to tell you about my divine interruption. I was called at birth to be in the service of God. I was a Nazarite, set apart by God. I was supposed to live up to the highest standards of God's people, amongst them all. God's spirit was so mighty in me that a young man, I tore apart a full-grown lion. I knew and experienced God's power. My divine interruption happened when I went down to the city of Timnah. I saw a beautiful lady I wanted. I lusted after her. I told my parents to go and get her for me. She was a Philistine, an enemy of my people. It would be the equivalent of one of you marrying an atheist or a Muslim. I, who was called to serve God by living up to his standards, let my flesh take over, and I married that girl. This led me into many conflicts 
which ultimately led me to lose my anointing, being taken down. I, who tore the gates off their hinges with my bare hands, losing my sight, being imprisoned, and became the laughing stock of all my enemies. My single brothers and sisters, when you experience these interruptions in life, learn from my mistake. If you have experienced the presence and the anointing of the Lord, do not trade it for the pleasures of this world, the lust of the flesh. It will always end badly. When you take your eyes off God, nothing good comes from it. It took me losing my physical sight to truly see God again. If you have fallen in a sin or you feel yourself heading in that direction, you can repent now and turn back to God and He will restore you. Although the divine interruption started badly, I was able to deliver a final blow to God's enemies when His anointing returned to me. What will you do? Amen. Thank you, brother. God is calling us in our walk to be consistent. Um, early tonight, we got a, a, a prophecy from Brother Spencer about being pure, remaining focused on the Lord. Um, we have to remain steadfast, abounding in His purpose, even if we're confused in our mind. I, I found myself saying a few months ago, what are you doing? What, what in the world are you doing to me right now, God? What's going on? Why am I experiencing this? But regardless of how we're feeling, and I want to transmit that tonight, we need to remain steadfast if we call ourselves the children of God. Amen? Amen. We're going to go now to the book of Esther. We're going to go chat verse 1, verses 1 through 8. There. This is what happened during the time of Xerxes, who ruled over 127 provinces stretching from India to Kush. At the time, King Xerxes reigned from his royal throne in the citadel of Susa. And in the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all of his nobles and officials. The military leaders of Persia and Media, the princes and nobles of the provinces, were present. For full 180 days, he displayed his vast wealth of his kingdom and the splendor and glory of his majesty. When the days were over, the king gave a banquet lasting seven days in the enclosed garden of the king's palace for all the people from the least to the greatest who were in the citadel of Susa. The gardens had hangings of white and blue linen fastened with cords of white, linen, and purple, materials to silver rings on marble pillars. There were couches of gold and silver on a mosaic pavement, um, marble, mother of pearl, and other costly stones. Wine was served in goblets of gold, each one different from the other, and the royal wine was abundant in keeping with the king's liberality. But the king's command, each guest was allowed to drink his own way, for the king instructed all of the wine stewards to serve each man what he wished. I just wanted you to get a backdrop of what Esther was walking into. This man was awesome, and from what he did and how he lived, he was lavish. I mean, he had banquets that lasted 180 days. That's a serious party. Um, <laughs> At this point, I want to invite Queen Esther to come up here and tell about her interruption she had in her life. Sure. <laughs> um, I want to tell you about <clears throat> my divine interruption. I was born Dasa, and at a young age, my parents died, and I was raised by my cousin Mordecai, who was a very godly man. In my first experience with God's divine interruption was when 
the king ordered the edict proclaiming many women, young women, to be brought to the citadel of Susa and put under the care of Haggai. I was taken to the king's palace and entrusted to Haggai, who had charge over the harem. Can you imagine being taken from everything that you've ever known to a place where you don't know if you'll ever see home again? In the midst of the situation, God did show me favor. And Haggai, the king's eunuch, with Haggai, king's eunuch, um, when it was time for me to finally meet the king... Um, I was again shown favor. He chose me out of all the women in the province. Can you imagine me being an orphan, coming from a very humble background, becoming queen of an entire nation? It would be like one of us today marrying a multimillionaire and living in a mansion with yachts and fancy cars and private jets. I lived a very great life. Nothing was denied me. But in time, God sent a second divine interruption in my life. My family and my people were being threatened with annihilation. My perfect little life was coming apart. I was faced with a choice to do something, to do nothing and watch those that I cared for suffer or get involved and risk losing everything. How many of us have been in situations where you've had to choose between losing a comfortable life a great career, or whatever, in order to protect your family. Ladies, sisters, when those divine interruptions come to us, we have to draw close to the Lord, pray, and do his will, regardless of what the consequences are, because he is faithful for <clears throat> to his promises in our lives. Amen. Amen. Our purpose is in sharing these different backgrounds was to show different aspects of people's lives. I've worked with ladies that were all about, I got my man that has a beautiful, we got a great car, we got a great house, and he treated her like dirt, or he wasn't her husband at all. Or, but she's claiming to be a Christian, claiming to be a believer. Um, when God is calling you, regardless of what the material things are around you, you must choose God at all times. At all times. He's a master strategist. He knows how to get us out of situations before we even knew we were in them. Um, the Bible says that God has determined the end from the beginning. He's already decided how we're going to get out of the situations. We just must trust him while we're in them. That's the message I'm still trying to get across is while we're in the situations, we got to trust and not lose hope. Not, not, not freak out, not, not break down, but trust the Lord in the situations. Um, my final guest speaker is going to be the Apostle Paul. Um, you come up? Yes. Kyrie, brethren. I was born Saul of Tarsus before my divine interruption. My father is a Pharisee, mother a Roman citizen, raised a Pharisee. I was, I was of Israel, tribe of Benjamin, a Jew amongst Jews, zealous in persecutions without measure against Messianic believers. Uh, this is the divine intervention when Yeshua spoke to me. He intervened in a time in my life where I thought most everything I did was right. 
My heart was broken because I'd seen just how much I'd sinned against the king. His grace, incomprehensible mercy, love, and truth interacted with me, convicted me, and there was no way I could go back to my old life. I now have a responsibility to the light, and by his grace I no longer live in darkness because I can't. Wealth, I went from fame, a certain level of prestige, status, and wealth. But now, getting beatings, mocked, narrowly escaping death. And still, the gospel is getting preached. Sinners are coming to repentance. The Messiah is preached. Holiness is becoming established in believers more and more. These are exciting times in an increasingly sinful world. And this is why we were born. What I've seen is you can't be pure without impurities in your body. In my generation, it was no different than yours. We had homosexuals being nice. We had people who were just being nice and calling it Christianity. Never had to hold themselves to the holy standard of God. Hated the conviction from it. We had people that were only moved by how they felt rather than being moved by God's spirit. We had religious people that did their religious things but no power from on high because they were so mixed with the world they didn't even know what to do. My purpose to talking to you guys tonight, deny yourself everything but Messiah and you will be filled to the measure you've never had where Messiah is so ingrained into you that you won't have to manufacture anything because he lives because you died. Our lives with the Messiah have ultimate meaning when we seek him and not for worldly success. And to those who are pursuing success in the world and calling this the kingdom of God, I implore you to repent. Jesus is more than enough. We must hunger for holiness, deny yourself of the world, and live for the Messiah's glory and his purposes. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You know, what I've, what I've known is that I've looked at my own life, and I found myself praying many, many times, God, get me out of this. God, get me out of that. God, change this. God, change that. How do we know, how can we call ourselves soldiers if we're always praying for God to take us out of a fight? How can you know that God is a fourth man in the fiery furnace if you're afraid to get into the fire? We have to go through things, brothers and sisters. It's, it's what we're here for. But it's all for his glory and his majesty. Um, my divine interruption happened in mid-December. And it lasted till the end of January. I lost both my job and my mother. The job happened. Some of you know about it. Some of you don't. Um, I, I'm kind of a private person. Um, but my mom got ill. And this is something that's been going on for about five years. I took three days off to spend time with her because you only get one mom. If you got two or three, that might be different, but you only get one. So I said I needed to go ahead and be by her side because if something happened to her and I'm working trying to make a dollar, I would never forgive myself. So when I came back after three days of spending with mom, making sure that she's good, my bosses told me, you stay with your mom. You, we, we don't need you. We'll hire somebody else. You know, you've got too much going on with your mom, so you stay there. Major divine interruption because I have a fiancé. She has two sons, my stepsons. Christmas was around the corner, and rent was around the corner. 
So now I'm faced with this. I'm like, I can't even buy anything for Christmas because I had the little savings that I had left. I was expecting my check on the 15th to take care of all that stuff, but that wasn't the case anymore. Shortly after that, my mom passed away. Before I get into my mom's situation, I want to tell you about the job. I normally in my life have always been able to get employment very quickly. I will go out, put in resumes, and within a day or two, this has been consistent through my life. I'll get hired very quickly. This time, not a single person called. Every day of the week, I was getting up, running out in the freezing cold, putting out resumes because I didn't want to be faced with being evicted, possibly, which I never, I don't think the body will ever do that to me. But just still, I don't want to put the church on that. that <laughs> I don't want to put the church in that kind of bind. Um, and then just basic necessity, trying to ask your brothers or that, can they loan you some money? And that, I'm, like I said, I'm a proud person. But nobody was calling, not a single person. Every morning to about 3 o'clock, I'm getting up, leaving the house 10, and going out all day long. What has ha- what's happened with that was so interesting was that I finally laid on the white couch in my inside of my room. That's kind of like my therapist's couch. And I laid there, and I just looked at the ceiling, and I was asking God, what's going on? What, what's happening? I, why can I not find a job? I've never had this issue. Even everybody that knows me from my sales background, if you ever need a job, come let me know, and I'll hire you on the spot. Nobody was hiring on the spot. It was freaking me out, like I was saying earlier. As I laid there, and I'm praying to God and whining, just be real, whining to the Lord, um, he hit me very strong with be content. That's all I got was be content. I think back to a time about a year and a half ago. All of the brothers were on stage jamming. We had like a jam session, and I remember seeing Nick up here on his guitar and Justin and Spencer, and everybody was playing the guitar. And Nolan, I think he was up there on the stage as well. And I'm sitting up here in the front row next to Miss Pat, and I'm in deep prayer because I'm not happy with my life as it was. I'm just praying and praying and praying and praying to God, give me clarity. Give me clarity. Let me know what you want me to do. Give me clarity. Give me clarity. Give me clarity. And I was, I was praying in one of those levels where I think I was getting on the Lord's nerve because he sent Spencer over to me. And I, well, my, my head is down, and I'm praying for prayer. Spencer sits next to me and puts his arm around me. He said, Brother Curtis, I was praying in the spirit, and I feel this message for you because you keep popping out at me. So I'm kind of listening to him. He says, you're asking the Lord for clarity. And the Lord says, you need to have faith. That wasn't what I wanted to hear. I thought the Lord's going to tell me what I wanted to need. But all God told Spencer to tell me was to have faith. And then Spencer got up and went back over to his seat. That, I never forgot that. God just recently brought all this stuff back to my memory. Um, I want to talk about my mom. She passed away. Um, still a little bit painful for me to talk about. But um. When I was asking the Lord about that situation, um, God, let me know with perfect clarity. I put you through this situation because I love you. Now, God says stuff sometimes that makes you think. I'm like, you put me through losing my job because you love me? You put me through my mom passing away because you love me? I, I, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand. Um, he makes you ponder in your heart what's going on in your life. I've looked at some of the brothers and sisters in here at times, and I know they're going through situations that they're wondering, what are you doing, God, right now in my life? Um, Why did this happen? Why was I raised like this? Why at this point in my life I'm relocating from my home to another place? Why after 10 years of being on the job, I've lost my job? You know, he he hits you with those things. Um, What he showed me was, he said, Curtis, because I love you and because I loved your mom and your family, I put you through this. I gave your mom five more years to be with her children. My perspective was you allow her to get sick. 
I give you your mom five more years to spend with her family. Me, the way I was five years ago, I was here. I've been here for almost four years now. But before I got here, I thought I was living a great life full of fun and partying. But I was living in hell, going to hell and not knowing it. Okay. Had my mom died when she had a heart attack, there would be no reason for me to stay here in Texas. I would have been in California, New York, or Miami, wherever the party is at. That's where I would have been because I can get a sales job very easy. God did for me through the use of that situation. And I want you to get the gist of what I'm saying, the situations, how you look at them. Through that situation, I have a family here. Amen. I'm growing in the ministry. Amen. I have a deeper walk with the king that I've ever had in my entire life. You know, I met my beautiful fiance. Two stepsons. Without the divine interruption in my life that I did not understand why it happened, when it, you know, what was going on, I would have missed out on all of this stuff. But what's most interesting about this situation is what God told me. He told me I'm putting you through these situations. It's kind of like you having a dad that said, I'm going to do this to you, son or daughter, and you're not going to like it, but deal with it. It's easy for you to deal with that because you know you love that person. Then for something that just happened and you're not sure where it's coming from. I got a perspective now on life that I've never had before. When God told me, I'm doing this to you deliberately so you can understand how much I love you, it's caused me to change my thinking and grow it. I was praying for clarity over a year and a half ago. I know now what my calling is for the kingdom because God has shown me. And I'm called to be a teacher and my function is to reveal the mysteries of the kingdom. I would not have known that had... This divine interruption happened or did not happen had God not intervened as he has. The job situation that happened. I was talking to Brother David Hall. We had lunch about five months ago, maybe five and a half months ago. And I was whining again. I'm like, I'm 45 years old, 46, whatever I was at the time. And um, I'm tired of this sales job. But this is all I've done. Sales and design, sales and design. There's nothing else. And I want to get out of that situation. And Dave was sitting there, he said, man, he said, you may be going through a midlife crisis. We go to that when we get to this age category. I'm like, okay, great. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. But he says, um, let's pray. So we prayed in this car at the end of my lunch break. And um, he was praying that God would give me revelation and help me find a change or whatever. That was about five, six months ago. So a lot of times we go through these things and we're praying to God, we're praying to God, we're praying to God, we're praying to God. It did not happen then as I would have loved it to happen. But now I have the job of my dreams, Okay. It took me to get fired and for me to be stressed out to get the job of my dream. So I had to go through being terminated, and, and I could not get a job. And I've never had that issue before. God put the doors and locked all the doors. He said he closed the doors so nobody can open them until, and I'm going to tell you my testimony with that. And I'm not saying, oh, look at me, look at me. I'm just saying I want you all to get how God works through adversity and how we must trust him. We, we must. It's, it's, it's imperative. I am kind of anal in my thinking. I don't like to, I like to do things a certain way and I'm, I'm about to order. Um, on my desktop on my computer, I have all my passcodes for every website I go to. I don't want to try to remember every passcode. So I can just copy and paste and put them inside of the website. I was on the work source because I had to get unemployment to take care of my living expenses. And you have to put in so many unemployment um, things every week, otherwise you'll lose unemployment. So I was on that last day because I'd been running all week, and um, if I didn't do it by a certain time, I wouldn't get no money. So I'm on the computer trying to get it, and I just copied and pasted like I've been doing for weeks. It wouldn't work. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. So I called the work source, and they have a billion people calling them, so I've been on the phone for about 20 minutes. 
And I realized it's about five minutes down the road. I'm going to just go over there and have them manually reset my passcode so I can come back home, do my job search, and get my unemployment check. I was willing to work at that point anywhere. Um, I walk into the work source, and I go up to one of the guys who's there, and he's, I say, hey, I said, listen, my passcode won't, I can't reset it. Can you reset it for me? He said, sure. He reset the passcode. He says, so what are you looking for? And I said, I'm just looking for work at this point. I, I like sales, but um, this is kind of what I've done, management, and I started talking about my life. And he says, have you thought about being a career counselor? I said, I don't even know what that is. That's key. I don't even know what it is. Now, back when I prayed with David, David had told me, Curtis, what you need is a transition job, something that can transition you out of the sales field into something totally different. I, um, I said, well, tell me about it. He said, well, you find people that need employment, they need child care, they need food stamps. They, um, they come in, you sit down with them, and you help them, you focus them in the right direction, and you help them get on their feet. It's a type of ministry, if you will. And um, you help youth get um, things that they need for themselves. I'm like, that sounds awesome. Um, so he said, well, man, he said, before you go, let me look at your resume. He looked at my resume. He fixed it. He fixed it. He fixed it. And um, <laughs> I'm speaking Ebonics now. He fixed the resume. And then he told me, he printed it out. He says, the general manager's back there. You should talk to him before you go. Mind you, I just came to reset my passcode and to go home. That's all I was coming to do. I go in and speak to the general manager. I knock on the door. And he looked at me like, who are you? And I said, hey, your employee asked me to come speak to you. So I'm just following. I said, um, he said, what are you looking for? I said, a career counselor. So he sat me down right there and interviewed me. And he said, well, we may have you come back. I may give you a call in a couple of days. I said, okay. I still didn't think anything about it because on the website for that position, you'd have a bachelor's degree in psychology, which I do not have. Okay, so I shouldn't be, be in that position because I don't have a bachelor's degree. But he told me when I spoke to me, he said, you seem to have more knowledge than some of the people who have a bachelor's degree. So he sent me up for an interview about three days later, brought me back in and he hired me. Now, what's awesome about that, um, yeah, it's, it's incredible, is I got a job that I shouldn't be able to have because God ordained it. He opened that door. He wouldn't let me get on the computer here. He wouldn't let me get a job anywhere else. And it's stressing me out because I just wanted to work. And he was like, no, I got something else for you to do. You just sit here and you deal with this and be content. Whatever you're going through, brothers and sisters, be content. Amen. Trust him. It says, he, you know, Pastor Eric prophesied New Year's Eve that I'm going to have ministries coming out of my home. Um, another brother prophesied that I'm going to have ministry, I'm be doing ministry. And now they're telling me today they want me to take over the youth department at WorkSource because it's youth all of all high schools around this area who are getting ready to go to college or who are pregnant teens or who have this going on. And I'm supposed to go out to the schools, talk to these people, let them know if you need help, I can help you. So I can see that as being part of the ministry. You know what I'm saying? I said all that, because, and it wasn't, I appreciate the, the, the applause. It wasn't really for that. I, I, well, God, in the song we just sung, You're Beautiful, he is so awesome. Because to know that God loves you so much that he will put you in a situation that you may not understand, you, some things you can't explain. You just can't explain death or why somebody is injured or why you let somebody be sick. Um, but now he's saying, Curtis, and I know from what he's shown me within the last week or so, um, that well, actually that, that day on my couch, that I'm going to be put into other situations. And he's already prepped my mind that when I put you through this, no more tripping out, no more screaming and hollering me in prayers. You go through the fire because I'm the fourth one in the fire. Brothers and sisters, you may be going through a situation in your life that you don't understand, that are painful, that you don't like, that are distressing you out. And God is saying, I don't sleep, I don't slumber, 
your situation have not caught me unawares, trust me. If I'm your king and I'm your Lord and I'm your savior, trust me because I love you. He loved me enough to get me the dream job. He loved me enough to let me have five more years with my mom. He loved me enough that he made me in a, put me in a situation where now I have all of you brothers and sisters who I love with my entire heart and soul. Amen. You know, he loved me enough that he made me stay in a state where I can find a beautiful woman who came from the other side of the earth to be my wife. He loves you, brothers and sisters. He loves you so much. No matter what you are going through, whatever it is, it's just an interruption. It's a momentary halt in your continuity of your life. Trust God in the situation. One other thing that kind of Pastor Matt brought to my attention was um, when I was putting this message together and I couldn't get away from it, um, I could have just choose one person and or two, but I chose four, myself being the five. And in biblical mathematics, five is the number of grace. So on top of the message that I'm saying, God's message is I'm giving you grace to deal with the situations you're in. If I put you in a situation... And you're praying to me to get you out of the situation, and I don't take you out of the situation. It's because it's for my glory and my grace is sufficient for you. Amen. I love y'all. That's the message. Would y'all like to have a little fun? Curtis, I remember prophesying to you that you would have a wife and children. Yes. How crazy did that seem at the time? <laughs> it did. Are you like me when you hear his story? You're like, well, of course. But when it comes to reflecting on your own life, in your own situation, you're filled with anxiety and concerns. Am I the only one like that? What's wrong with you? You talk to me tonight. Is anybody, can you raise your hand if you feel that? Good, because God sees that and I do too. We're going to ask you to do something with it. Charles Spurgeon said, if God had desired you to be in any other position than the one that you're in right now, then divine love would have delivered you from this position. Think on that for a second. I'm a little uncomfortable at this moment in life. That doesn't happen all of that often to me. And that was an amazing message. I hope it addressed your heart the same way that it's addressing mine. So you have a choice with what you do with what God just did for you. He just brought you clarity about the uncomfortableness of your situation right now. Are you going to wear a raincoat through the storm or are you going to get sick from the storm? Could you stand to your feet?